Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Now, in my opinion, the scariest stories are the ones that don't have any room for jokes or laughter. Live from Liverpool... The Dark Paranormal with Kevin Eustace. Hello again. Welcome to The Dark Paranormal. I'm your host, Kevin Eustace, and on this show, we hear a true story submitted to our email address, contact at talkaboutghosts.com. One which, I believe, contains the right type of ingredients to be part of the Dark Paranormal series. See, I'm a believer, and if you're going to take the time to do something, watch a film, read a book, listen to a podcast then you should take the time to get everything you can out of it. Now, if you're a sceptic, suspend your disbelief for the next half hour. I want you to buy into our time together. I want you to know at the end of it that there are things that you can't explain. If you're a believer in the paranormal, you'll be used to this open mindset. But even the believers amongst you, I want you to treat this time differently than you would your standard paranormal podcast. Yeah, we all have those podcasts that we idly put on whilst doing some menial tasks, semi-listening whilst putting our true focus elsewhere. But don't do that with this. I want you to focus on these stories 100%. Because, well, it's time we stopped laughing and getting scared for fun. We should be afraid of these stories, of the unknown. Because, if we're honest with ourselves, deep down, we know it's there. Even on a bright day, no matter where you are, it's there. Just a hair's breadth away from you. In fact, let's try this. Play along. Right now, stop what you're doing. Be still. Close your eyes until I say so. There's someone next to you. Head turned, looking directly at You. You've thought this before. You've imagined this before. And it's real. And they're there, right next to you now. 
Okay, open your eyes. Hopefully there isn't anyone there. But if you've just played along, you should have felt it. No matter how small, but you felt it. That primal knowledge warning you. Letting you know that no matter how blasé you might be about the paranormal, at your core, you know it could be true. Now, maybe don't listen any further if you're of a nervous disposition. Because remember, these experiences are dark, terrifying, and 100% real. The people who submit these stories have nothing to gain by me retelling their experience. Especially, such as in this case, when they've changed the names and the details involved. They know how this sounds to the normal world. They know they'd be mocked or thought insane or ostracised. They have nothing to gain. Yet, these true accounts continue to arrive in my mailbox. Because, if we accept they're real, it's of the utmost importance that they're shared. Today's experience takes place in a dementia home. I've had loved ones suffer with dementia in the past, and as horrible as it is to watch that person slowly drift away, it kind of fascinates me on a spiritual level. My grandmother suffered with it before she died. And after she died, the family would use the phrase often used in these situations of she left us a long time ago. Which I do think is the case. I just wonder where she went and who that means I was speaking to towards the end. This experience comes in from Gemma. I'm in my early 30s now, but when I was in my mid-20s, I started working at a care home for people with dementia. The building itself was a former naval hospital, and before that, it had been an orphanage. It was a really beautiful old red brick building detached and set slightly up off the road. I've never really been interested in ghost stories. I wouldn't have described myself as either a believer nor a sceptic. I just truthfully didn't think that much about it, and it wasn't something I was genuinely interested in. I'd be working there a few weeks before my first night shift came up. When I came in in the afternoon... My colleague Mandy asked, First night shift tonight? I said, Yep. She said, Keep your eye out for room 28, and laughed. I asked her what she meant, but she just shook her head, and we both had tasks to get back to, so I didn't press it. But room 28 was empty, so I thought it was rather an odd comment as there was no resident in there. 
I worked the full night and didn't need to go into room 28. And therefore, well, I didn't come across anything unusual that night. And therefore, the next day, my manager, Amy, asked how my first night shift went. I said it, it was fine. But she probed further, like she was trying to get more details out of me. I told her about a couple of the calls from the residents that I dealt with. But again, she asked, was everything else okay? I finally joked, why should it not have been okay? She said, no, no, of course it should. She just wanted to check. I asked her if this had anything to do with room 28. She seemed quite annoyed at that. No. Why? Who's bloody said that? She said she was sick of people trying to scare each other with that room. Apparently, some staff had said they'd seen things in there and made an issue about it getting cold in there. But Amy said that was just ridiculous. It was just an old building, and that particular room gets exposed to the elements more than most, and the electric switches are just getting old. She told me to ignore anything else anyone said, and not worry about it. A week later, Mandy had been on the night shift, and didn't come in for work the next day. All Amy told us was that we needed to cover that night shift, as Mandy was sick, and I agreed to cover that shift. I text Mandy to see how she was. She didn't reply for a while, and when she did it was really short. Just, yeah, I'm fine thanks. Which was unlike her, as we usually chatted a fair bit. I replied and said I was glad she was okay, and not to worry about the shift, as it was covered. I got busy and did my medicine rounds, which can take some time as you have to make sure everyone has definitely taken their medication. When I finished, I saw I had three missed calls from Mandy and a text asking to call her back ASAP. I went outside and she sounded quite upset. She said she was grabbed in room 28. I asked her what she meant. She took a deep breath and said that while she was working, her friends, who were having drinks together at someone's house, had FaceTimed her. As it was quiet, she'd answered it. They were all a bit tipsy and jolly. So Mandy offered to show them room 28, or as she called it, the haunted room and taking herself and her phone into room 28. She was showing them around when something grabbed her shoulder and spun around, pulling so hard she'd fallen on the floor and dropped her phone. Her friends had all just seen her fall over and in their drunken state thought it was hilarious. But she was really freaked out she ended the call, rang her boyfriend and spent the rest of the shift in reception with the lights on. 
keeping her boyfriend on the phone all the while. I said that sounded awful and tried to calm her down, saying maybe she just lost her balance in the dark. But I had to get back to work. I was a bit nervous about my night shift though. That night, I kept glancing at room 28, which I could just about see from reception if I leaned forwards. Now, I knew no one was there and the door was locked, but the door kept moving in its frame, like it was being tried. I reasoned it was just the wind, remembered what Amy said about staff always trying to scare each other, and told myself I was being daft. I carried on with the admin duties we were supposed to do during downtime. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. An hour or two later, well after midnight, I heard, as clear as day, three knocks on the inside of door 28. It was really distinctive, and instantly my heart started pounding. I got up and said, hello, and slowly made my way towards the door. I was really scared, but I knew I had to go over. I couldn't run the risk of it being a resident and leaving them alone. As I approached, the door was being pulled in its frame again, making a quiet banging noise. I got closer and then heard three more knocks, this time lighter and coming from the bottom of the door. I was petrified and on high alert, dreading having to open that door. As I reached the outside of the door, I'm watching the door handle move slightly backwards and forwards as the door is pushed and pulled in its frame. Keeping my eyes on the door, I fished around for the keys in my pocket and finally pull them out. I just about found the right key and was moving it towards the lock. When I hear, Nurse! A resident from a couple of doors down had shouted me, Can we get two teas? My husband will be here in a minute and some of those nutty biscuits he likes too. 
secretly glad to have someone awake to go to, even if it was just a patient with dementia flaring up. I went to the resident and put her back to bed, calmly explaining it was late at night and she could have tea and biscuits in the morning. I had to walk past room 28 to get back to reception, but didn't see anything else that night. A few days later, my manager Amy mentioned some of the rooms were being refurbished. For budget reasons, we couldn't do all of them at once, just those that urgently needed it first. And room 28 was one of those chosen for the first refurb. When it was completely finished, it seemed bright, light and calm. It looked really good. We even had a resident come to stay in it, Carol. She was a nice woman whose dementia was in and out. It affected her at times, but at others, she was really lucid and you could have a nice chat with her. She didn't seem to have any family that visited, but she was such a lovely lady. One bright day, Carol asked me if I believed in ghosts. I smiled and said, not really. I like horror films and scary things at Halloween, but I wasn't really into ghosts. Carol looked directly at the corner. A very slow smile spread across her face. And she said, she doesn't believe in you. To be honest, this did panic me a bit. But you get used to seeing all sorts when you work with dementia patients. So I rationalised it quickly. But I did mention it to Mandy. And Mandy shuddered when I told her. She said she'd had anxiety and struggled sleeping since that night in room 28. I thought maybe Mandy was being a bit dramatic. But I definitely felt nervous myself too. I didn't really know why or what to believe. The next day during handover, the night shift staff reported Carol had had a really bad night and was screaming, get out, to someone in her room, hitting her panic button in the process. The panic button caused an alarm to flash both at reception and above the room to the door. But when staff got there, no one was there. And they struggled to get Carol to settle back down. She seemed really distressed. So, during my rounds that afternoon, I decided to go in and see Carol. But she was fast asleep in her room. And she did look quite rough. She looked like she'd aged a few years. And as I stared at her, wondering just why she looked like this. Bang! The digital clock on the bedside table fell over, flat on its face. I jumped a mile, but went in to fix it. As I was trying to put it back up, the bedroom door slammed shut. This made me jump again and drop the clock, which fell again. I was all shaken up, but when I went and checked the door, 
I realised it was just the mechanism all the doors had. They were fire doors, so had a mechanism to shut themselves unless they were on a catch to stay open. I was really annoyed at myself for being so jumpy and silently scolded myself for my hand shaking. I gave myself a stern talking to that I needed to calm down, especially as I had a night shift coming up. However, I'd be on shift with Amy, and she didn't suffer fools lightly, and has no time for this type of thing, so I thought we'd be fine. And all was fine, until around 1am. We were based at reception, and could see all the residents' lights. We had a radio playing very quietly, with some lamps by our own computers. Amy went off to the kitchen to make us drinks. When out of nowhere, the lights went dim. At the same time, the radio turned to static. This happened for about five seconds, then all went back to normal. I was spinning round trying to work out what caused it. When it happened again, same thing for about five seconds. All the lights dimmed, the radio to static, and then everything back to normal. Then, all at once, the light in room 28 went on. There was a faint whimper, and it sounded like the bed was being moved. A loud dragging noise across the floor. I stood up and made towards the room, but Amy was already heading towards the room and said, I've got this. She got to the door, and as she opened it, she said, Carol, are you okay? She went in, and the door closed behind her, as they do. I watched waiting to see if she needed any help. That's when I noticed the whimpering again. But this time, it was coming from behind me and getting closer. I spun round and Carol was there, crying, hands covering her face. In shock, I started to ask what she was doing there. Carol... But she cut me off, muttering, There's a nasty nurse in my room, keeps yelling at me. But she's dead, I'm not dead. She's the one who's dead, not me. I was baffled. We would have seen Carol leave her room. And there's no way she could have got past reception. That's where we sat. One of us would have seen her. Automatically, I started to take Carol back to her room. When Amy came out of the room, she was white as a sheet. And when she saw us, she said, Carol, you can't believe in your room, love. But Carol was inconsolable. I started walking her back towards her room, but she resisted, literally digging her feet in and saying she wouldn't go. Now we're used to calming residents down and gently but firmly 
persuading them to go back to their rooms. But as I began to do this, to my surprise, Amy said, We'll let Carol stay in the empty room, room 16, for tonight. Amy was known for not taking any nonsense, so I was surprised. But I helped lead Carol away from room 28 to the new room 16, where she calmed down almost immediately and went back to sleep. Back at reception, astounded, I tried to start a conversation with Amy. How on earth did she get out and get past us without us noticing? But Amy just shrugged. I asked her what happened in the room when she went in, realising that she hadn't come straight out when she saw Carol wasn't there. But she just said, I don't know, love, and went to get us a coffee. I got the sense to not press any further. The next day they moved all Carol's things out of her room into the new room. And I overheard Amy talking to the caretaker about emptying room 28 and using it as storage space going forward. I worked days for a few weeks after and nothing else unusual happened. Mandy had been off on annual leave for two weeks and when she came back we were catching up in the kitchen. She told me she'd done some digging on the building and said, take a look at this and pulled out her phone. She brought up a black and white picture of a stern looking nurse stood outside a door with a plaque that said matron's office. I asked her what I was looking at. She said, look at the brickwork. That's room 28. I looked and it seemed she was right. I said, hang on, and took her phone out to the corridor, outside of room 28. We lined the picture up, and she was right. It was identical. It was definitely room 28. You could tell by the placement of the bricks and the shape of the doorway. Mandy said, see, I think this is who pulled me. At this point, Amy came past and asked what we were both doing with our phones out in the corridor. Mandy explained, We think we found a picture of someone who used to work here when this was a hospital. Amy casually glanced, but instantly her eyes darted back to the picture, searching the whole image. She took a step back, visibly shaken, and put her hand to her mouth. We were both as shocked as her. We asked if she was okay and if we could go and get her some water. But she said she was fine and wouldn't say much else and walked off at pace. A bit later, I tentatively asked if she was okay earlier and she laughed it off and said it must have just been a funny turn. But I could tell she recognised the woman in the picture and just wouldn't admit it to us. I worked at the care home for a few years after that, but room 28 did become a closet with spare bits of furniture, etc., and reception moved around so 28 was no longer in view. Nothing else happened the rest of the time I worked there. Then again, 
no one had reason to be around room 28 after that. But I still wonder if room 28 was ever reopened. And if so, is the matron still going about her business? Hospitals are one of the few places on earth that are guaranteed to bring out the very polar opposites of human emotions on a daily basis. From a spirit or ghost point of view, there seem to be a certain group of spirits that we can guarantee are going to feature in a hospital ghost story. We have three, shall we say, human-type ghosts being the good nurse or doctor, as in this story, an alleged evil nurse or doctor, of course the patient, and last but by no means least, death himself. In a future episode, I'll be retelling a story that was sent in by a nurse who believes one night she witnessed death. Not exactly how you'd think, either. In the meantime, thank you for listening. If you've got a story that you'd like featured on The Dark Paranormal, send it in to contact at talkaboutghosts.com In the meantime, just remember, the more you look in to The Dark Paranormal, the more it looks back at you.